Hello and welcome to another edition of the Evanation Show. Uh, Friday, November 15th was the one-year anniversary, and I went back to the very first guest I ever had, uh, Charlie Gandes, so uh, check that out. But for right now, I've got the co-director of the upcoming Brick Street Theater production of Elf, that classic Will Ferrell Christmas movie. Uh, it is Mr. Troy Thompson. Troy... How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Thanks for thanks for having me. All right, so we'll start with that. Uh, Brick Street Theater, Elf. Elf is only 15 years old, but it is rapidly becoming like the Christmas classic. People who grew up in like the 80s had, you know, a Christmas story mm-hmm. and all that. And Elf. So what about Elf makes it so iconic? Even though it only came out 15 years, but it feels like it's been around forever. Well, uh, you're right about, for one thing, the, the, I grew up in the 80s, and, and I also directed for the community theater uh, A Christmas Story uh, a couple of years ago. So that was, that was fun. And it, and it seems like that is kind of what I've been doing uh, the last couple of years. When the Christmas show comes around, it seems like I get pulled into it. <laughs> so I did that a couple of years ago, and I, did, um, and I, and I actually uh, wrote the, uh, the version of Christmas Carol that we did last year. And so now here we are um, this, this time with uh, Elf, the musical. And so what makes it special is... Uh, and iconic, I guess. Why is it becoming the new the new uh, uh, Christmas movie that everybody knows and loves? I think it has a lot to do with uh, a sense of innocence and lost innocence that is so great. Will Ferrell brought it out in the movie so perfectly that it just had to become uh, a musical and uh, bring that that excitement and that uh, that that uh, flavor of Christmas to light. It's just a great opportunity for, for you to fall in love with Christmas again and do it in a way that doesn't necessarily involve, you know, sets from the 1940s or it just takes place right now. It talks directly about where we uh, are as a society, where our faith in Christmas is, and just really faith in one another. And, and I think that's really what every great Christmas story is about is just having you know faith to believe in something that can happen and and so without being obviously a a, a, a religious um, story it is still about Christmas and that's what makes it I think so attractive to people kids love it adults love it it makes people happy it's got something for everyone and it also has relatable themes I can't personally relate to this but Scott Kahn is like the or is it, no it's James James Kahn. yeah Scott yeah. Scott's the kid he's the one who did Hawaii Five O uh, but James Con yeah. as like the crotchety old dad and you feel like you just can't ever like make him happy or make him proud of you like I don't know what that's like but I'm sure that that related to multiple people across uh, across the uh, from watching that movie yeah and it's very meme worthy too like you know every Christmas you're oh, like, yeah. like clockwork here come the here come the memes yeah. of of Elf. Yeah. Uh, so what is different from Elf the Musical versus Elf, like the movie that people are familiar with? Well, okay, so for one thing, it is a musical, which obviously the the, the movie itself was not. They did have uh, one very iconic song that does make it into the musical that was in the movie, and that is, you know, the song uh, about just 
sing a Christmas song, you know, and yeah. so that sticks with the, the 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 musical. But in order to have a musical, you got to have lots of songs, and so there's all <laughs> kinds of stuff there. So Santa's a little bit different. Um, there's uh, not 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 too much different, but I think in the movie, you know, you had uh, really an elf character um, that was uh, kind of like the senior elf that was you know really wasn't that wasn't Santa. Ed Asner played Santa in the movie, and then. Oh man, I'm just having a. Who is the guy? Bob Newhart was yeah. the uh, was the elf, and he's the one that kind of told the story. But in the musical, it's Santa. There's the the, the Bob Newhart character doesn't exist, so that's a little bit different. Yeah. But I don't think people will notice that much, uh, or or really care too much uh, one way or the other. The story comes through. Otherwise, you have your normal the the same the same characters. It's a little bit bigger with uh, the start of the second act, where you have a whole bunch of 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 kind of. Uh, uh, downtrodden and frustrated uh, bell ringing Santa Clauses that oh. wasn't in the movie that yeah. uh, have a great great number that that uh, that they get to sing and including now one of uh, uh, Waldorf's uh, favorite professors we we were able to pull Mark Newcomb into that turns out he would sing that song anyway and we we're just like well. Why don't you sing it on stage with the rest of the Santas? So Not we, a hard sell. No, it was pretty easy, actually. He's like, sure, I'll go down and do that. Yeah. So, yeah, that that uh, is different. And uh, we do have, um, you know, the the ending is, is very similar. Um, Obviously, uh, it's it it, it you 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 the story doesn't doesn't change, but there are some you know minor differences. Yeah. yeah. By the way, Ed Asner. And uh, Bob Newhart still with us here in 2019. Yeah, still, still kicking. Yeah, well, and 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 uh, as and rightfully so. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad that they're still around too. Yeah. Uh, well, well, we'll shift away from that. We'll get back to Elf in a minute. But when I first met you, it was all the way back in high school. You were the Iowa National Guard recruiter. Yeah. And you would come in usually during classes, and we you talk about National Guard and like the opportunities. How did you get involved with National Guard? And uh, how, what has it been like for you ever since you got involved with that? Well, so this is my uh, 24 years uh, of being in the service. Uh, so actually, my service career started at Waldorf. I, I did not join the National Guard. I was a sophomore at uh, here at Waldorf. And back then, it was a two-year school. And I knew I was going to you know, graduate. And uh, I had to pay for school and yeah. and all that stuff. So I didn't do my research. You know, For being an honor student, I just didn't do any research. And I was oh, like, no. well, Dad was in the Army, so I'm going to go join the Army. And I did. I walked into the recruiter station in Mason City. I said I'm going to join the army. And it was January of 1995, and and uh, and they said sure, all right. So uh, I shipped off to the army after I graduated. So June of '95, joined the army, was in the army, and going to basic training. And I did that that for the three year hitch. Uh, and in that three years, I watched. You know, I learned a lot of things and had you know a good time, and and I and I enjoyed uh, certain aspects of it. But I also saw my friends uh, that were my same age that I graduated school with uh, go out, and they were. You you know, starting their careers and kind of doing those things. And, and I was like, I'm still, you know, I got to finish that last two years of college. So um, I got out of the Army, and when I was getting out of the Army, 
and I was in Korea at the time, they said, oh, are you, you know, do you like what you do? I said, yeah, I, I like what I do. I just don't like doing it every day. And yeah. so um, they said, well, you should join the National Guard. And I'm like, well, they didn't even have my job. And, and uh, at the time, I enlisted as a forward observer, a guy who finds targets and then calls it in and we blow them up, you know. And they're like, oh, yeah, they've got that in a place called Algona. And I'm like, I'm an idiot. I mean, Algona is literally 35 miles away, you know, so I, from Waldorf. You know, I, I, it's like three years here. Nobody told me that. I could have been doing the exact same job, but had been doing it on a part-time basis and, and, and continued my education and gone on with those other things. So, um, yeah, I went straight into the Guard, and I started doing my one weekend a month with Al- at Algona, and I did that, and then Fort Dodge eventually, and I moved around different places, but I always stuck with the Iowa National Guard. I enjoyed doing the one weekend a month, being a part of the team, and, and being a soldier, and being a service member, and all of that. And then I just had the, um, when the opportunity came in 2005 uh, to become a recruiter in Mason City, it was for me a no-brainer, uh, because um, I loved the service, but I had a story to tell, and my story was, hey, knucklehead, uh, you don't have to go away and live on an army base like I did for three years or go to a foreign yeah. country. You can you can wear the uniform and be a part of a great team and, and serve your country right here in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Let me save you some steps. And so when I met you in high school and, and so many others in the four, in the 12 years of recruiting that I actively recruited, um, you know, it was it was that was the message. It was like, you can do this. You don't have to go live on an army base to do it. And then um, that that's how that all happened, I guess. Yeah, because I think one of the things that people don't realize about that service, it's an incredibly transient thing. You just bounce around from base to base to base, you know, country yeah. to country to country. Uh, so were you in North Korea or South Korea? Well, I, 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 was in, I was stationed in South Korea. They don't let us be stationed in North Korea, you know. They, but they, yeah. but <laughs> I was very close to North Korea. We were about 12 miles away from the demilitarized zone. Um, our place that we were at uh, was part of the cavalry, the, the 7th Cavalry, which is Custer's old unit. Uh, so I don't know if that's a good thing when you're surrounded by North Koreans. But we had uh, – uh, I have been in North Korea. When you go to the joint security area, which is uh, – sometimes you see it – you can see pictures of it. That's these little weird blue buildings, and half the buildings are in North Korea and half the buildings are in South Korea. And when the two countries get together for one reason or another for, for conferences um, yeah. or prisoner exchanges, um, that's where they do it. And so um, I've been on – you can go on the North Korea side in that building. You can step. So that's – I've been about three feet into North Korea. Uh, did you enjoy your time in uh, South Korea? No, nah, like, not really. <laughs> I got to be honest. Not look. I. Uh, it's kind of a funny. Uh, Korea is a, a beautiful country. South Korea, North Korea, not so much. Um, the people are fantastic. It's a very homogenous society. They're all Korean, obviously. So yeah, um, and very, very uh, a wonderful place. But when you see it from you know the army side, it maybe isn't as uh, exciting as like a tourist attraction would be if you were to yeah. go to Seoul. I was in Seoul twice. I think when I flew in, um, and uh, I was there on New Year's. Eve in, in turning into 1998, and that was a great night. But, I mean, beyond that, I didn't really see the fun stuff in Korea. I just kind of lived out in the country with the other 700 of us that were in that particular unit. And so it was it was uh, not my favorite place um, in the world, uh, and not that's not against the, the, the Korean people whatsoever. It was just, you know, my experience. I, was, I did what's called an Iron Man tour. Uh, you have the option when you're uh, uh, assigned to be in Korea to to come home for 30 days or however long you want uh, well not how long you know up to 30 days 
And I just took that at the end. I, instead of instead of staying I, uh, and taking it in the middle, I was afraid. I was like, I'm probably not going to come back if I go home in the middle. So I just uh, I just I just took it off at the end, and so did yeah. the, did it that way. So um, good place. Uh, just wasn't wasn't my favorite. Um, it's funny that that uh, you know you bring that up because um, you know a, a pretty significant um, uh, dish from Korea is kimchi. And they would serve kimchi in uh, in our mess halls because we had uh, katusas, which are known as Korean attaches to the United States Army. So it's it's a way of saying an acronym. But it's katusas. And they were all the rich kids in South Korea because South Korea's got a conscription army, so you have to serve. Yeah, but if it's, you're, it's all like Israel in that way. Yeah, yeah. And, and 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 it makes sense. There's 28 million of them, and and they've got a country to the north that's that doesn't like them at all, and they got nukes apparently, and so so there's all those things. And <laughs> it's a, it's a whole thing. Yeah, so it's, it's a big deal. So everybody's in the in and, and Korea has served, and the ones that maybe didn't go into the Rock Army, the Republic of Korea Army, they they went to as Katusas to the United States Army, so they were attaches, and they were supposed to be able to speak English and all that, and they they were not that's not usually they just had you know rich parents, but uh, because of that they would serve um, some Korean dishes at our mess halls, and I think it was more the army cooking than it was the actual Korean dish, but I hate kimchi. I just couldn't stand it. I thought it was gross. Uh, from my experience in Korea, not having had it in a cr- true Korean restaurant while I was in Korea, just had it in the army base. And then now um, recently, like in the last week, my wife uh, was able to get her hands on a legitimate uh, recipe for kimchi soup, and she made it. And it's probably my favorite soup. I mean, it's amazing. So it's just a very delicious deal. And so I kind of came around full circle on that. I was like, all right, I, uh, Korea's not so bad. I so like. I guess it turns out the mess hall didn't, didn't ruin it for you after all. Well, I mean, mess hall really put a roadblock in my, my taste buds for kimchi. But, uh, you know, I came around to it. Uh, when you left the – so what happened – like, did you just go straight to the National Guard or when you came – because you came home from Korea in, what, 98, 99? 98, yep. Yeah. Okay, 98. So did you just go immediately to the National Guard? Was there kind of a middle of a, okay, I'm back stateside, what do I do now? Like, was there like a bit of a period in between there? Yeah, or? a little bit. You know, because the Guard's only one weekend a month, two weeks in the summertime. And so when you're a normal uh, – I was full-time National Guard after a while. But when I first started, like everybody else, you're just part-time and – and I, I uh, yeah, I got home in the end of March of 98, and my first drill was in April, and I was just not used to, you know, really not, you know, doing anything. So, so I had to, I had to, you know, I went down to Algona and introduced myself. I'm like, should I be here? I'm like, no, just show up for drill. It's good to see you. We'll, be, we'll see you then. So, yeah, I, it, it, there was a little weird part there, but I pretty much straight in. Like, I knew yeah. I was going to go straight to the, and I knew where my unit was going to be and all that stuff. Uh, so what exactly did you do in the Army? You said you just called in airstrikes? Yeah, so uh, uh, the the job title is a, a forward observer or fire support specialist. It was 13 Foxtrot, and, and uh, that's their nomenclature for the job, the MOS, the Military yeah. Occupational Specialty. Yeah. And I did that. Uh, yeah, you're supposed to go out uh, usually with what's called a maneuver element, and that's your infantry or your cavalry uh, and uh, scouts, whatnot. And so you're, you're uh, looking for... Uh, while you're with that element of soldiers, you are supporting them by uh, battle tracking on the map and knowing where you are and then knowing what's coming up and then and then yeah. finding things yeah. that you can blow up. And so if we can strike those with indirect fire like artillery, mortars, uh, 
Hellfire from the helicopters, MLRS, you know, big rockets, uh, things like that, naval gunfire. If we can do that before we get there, then there's less chance that our soldiers are going to get shot by the guys that are there that we're trying to blow up. Does that make sense? That's, yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah. So you're just more of like a preemptive sort of thing, find them before they find you. Yeah. Yeah. The idea is that's why, you know, you're, you're with the forward element. That's why you're a forward observer. And then, of course, yeah. the, the funny thing is why you're actually observing the rounds uh, is because uh, we don't hit everything uh, at first time. And so you have to adjust fire. And and so somebody has to have eyes on the target so that you can make a correction and hit it again. I mean, you, you were armed, of course, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I, you know, you're when you're with the maneuver element, you're a rifleman. You know, you just you know, I'm not infantry, but I was with the infantry, so you're infantry. You know, and and out with them and doing everything that they staying with them, doing everything with them, and same thing with the cavalry. So it's just a matter of you know that whole thing is of being out with the troops and 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 uh, and supporting them in a way that would help them do their job a little bit better. So it sounds like you had probably like. The job that uh, fun is maybe not the right word, but like in terms of if you had to choose between doing infantry and doing that, you'd probably just stick with the job that you had, right? I think everybody. What I've learned in recruiting is that everybody that has done any job in the military, whatever job it is that they did, that's the best job, uh, and and it doesn't matter what it is. There's there's not a whole lot of people in the military that are pining for somebody else's job because they've been so. Uh, become so comfortable or you know with with what it is that they do and so convinced in their training that hey we're the most important people in the army that that yeah i would absolutely stay as a forward observer you want to be an fo that your your entire life um it's hard you know and then i came and i saw other jobs and i was like well, that's a little bit easier. Maybe I should have done that, you know. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I definitely was glad I was artillery with the infantry. It was a different mindset. Does your experience in the army like make you look at the Call of Duty games and be like, man, they're not even close? Like they're getting so much wrong. Well, they get a lot of stuff wrong. They get a lot of stuff right. Uh, they obviously are based on um, some interesting truths, and and obviously, I think they get a lot of insight probably from you know soldiers and, and military experts. Their weapons are pretty um, amazing um, and not always accurate there um, yeah. because they always work. You know, so that's <laughs> one thing that doesn't always happen when you're working with the lowest bidder. But it, other than that, uh, yeah, I, I don't. You know, I don't really play a lot of video games, but um, I can tell you that uh, when I have tried to do Call of Duty. I can barely get past the training. You know, if like the training at the beginning. Yeah, like the and, tutorial. You're yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. You're and just I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, I can't get out of this thing. And it really, <laughs> really, you know, for me, it brings brings my whole soldier manhood into question. I'm like, I can't even do this on a game. You know, I can, let's just do this in real life. I'll do it better. You know, so. Yeah, you just got a tutorial and I'm like, I'm out. Like this, yeah. this, this, this isn't working. <laughs> you got it, uh, yeah. Along with uh, – the Brick Street stuff, you've also uh, worked on some various Waldorf productions, including one that I was involved in uh, was like a children's sports movie called Rise of the Sea Urchins. Mm-hmm. I did like a 45-second cameo, yeah. and you were just like kind of the crazy, unstable gym teacher. Uh, how much fun was that experience, like just getting to be just like the crazy, unstable gym teacher in that kid's movie? Uh, it was awesome. It was <laughs> like, uh, first of all, it's a feature film, which, you know, not many people can say that they did that. And then, of course, you got, you know, then you do get an IMDb credit. Yeah, I, I got one, too. You know, which is fun. <laughs> I was in it for 45 seconds, but I got one, too. <laughs> you know, that's, and, that's, and that's something you can, you know, you can tell. I think it's hilarious. When I was recruiting, I'd be out and about, and, and uh, inevitably, I wouldn't bring it up, but some of the other guys would say, hey, you know, 
he's in a movie. And their kids are like, no, nah, he's not in a movie. And, like, and, then, and they're like, yeah, he is. And then they would pull up the trailer. It's on Amazon. And now it's on, <laughs> it's on Amazon. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> and they would show the trailer and they'd show that. And then, of course, people would buy the movie. So I think Les Nelson, you know, he, you know, owes me a little bit something because he, because, because you know, there's probably a lot of Army National Guard people that have Rise of the Sea Urchins in their DVD collection. Because yeah, it's of like that. a, yeah, a kind of a throwback to like the Air Bud type sports movies. Like, yeah, not not quite like a dog can't play basketball sort of thing, yeah. but kind of in that kind of in that vibe. Uh, it was. I I remember it being a pretty fun experience, and yeah. just and just was like, I know Troy like. He he does like crazy and unstable quite well. Like this yeah, is, thank you. Like this quite this is this is actually quite it's quite jarring from like the Troy that I know like in day to day life. But like it, it works, it works. Yeah, that was fun. It really brought out the inner drill sergeant uh, at moments, and then try to blend that a little bit with uh, Chris Farley or whatever I could come up with. And yeah. and yeah, that was that was that was a fun fun project to be on. Uh, what was it like, like when you got asked to do it? Like, what was the pitch like? It's like, hey, we got this like kids movie feature film. We want you to do it. Like, what what was the pitch process like? Well, so that it was. Uh, uh, I remember pretty distinctly. So at the time, uh, the armory in Mason City, which is where I recruited out of, was being renovated. And so for that year, I had an office at the DJAC uh, here on Waldorf at the campus. And yeah. so I would, um, you know, I would be down there and. Uh, actually, it was Mark Newcomb who who uh, shot me an email and gave me a call and said, "Hey, you know, you should uh, you should try out. There's 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 uh, you know auditions for this this movie we're doing." And I'm like, "I'm not gonna do that. That's I'm busy. You know, I don't want to do that." But then I was like, then my ego got the best of me, and I'm like, you know, I'm driving away from the DJ. I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's up at Scoopy Doo's. I think I'll go ahead and. What can it hurt? You know? I mean, the worst the worst they can do is just say you didn't get it and you move on. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, so I walked in and um, they had me read for uh, Coach Dungle, and uh, yeah, I just uh, I must have hit it pretty good. They they seemed they seemed happy with that. Yeah, I remember when I did my audition too, and they just said just be like the most like obnoxious like '80s game show host, like color commentator, like just pretend like you're on like an '80s game show and. Of course, me being 26 and not knowing anything about 80s game shows, yeah. like, I uh, I had to go and find like old clips of like uh, those kinds of things where like the announcer would be like, "Okay, Harvey, tell them what they want," and then like I would like try and act like Harvey, and it was just the most like absurd off the wall thing like that they yeah. asked me to do, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, let's let's, let's just do this." <laughs> so it was. Uh, I mean, I I didn't really know anything about like '80s game shows because like the whole thing about like Double Dare was way before my time. Yeah, because like, I, I wasn't alive. Like I was aware of it, but it's on YouTube because if it's not on YouTube, it pretty much doesn't exist. Yeah, anymore. So, yeah, so I went and just tried to. Well, you get a brand new car, and it yeah. just sounded like just as like absurd and as cheesy as I could. And it was <laughs> it was a really good time. It was a really good time. And then the guy that they paired me with was like a was like a car insurance salesman, and we uh, I, I I can't remember his name. His name escapes me right now. But it sure. was it, it was a lot of fun get, getting to do that. Uh, is that the only time like are you would you ever do it again like just be in like a feature film like if you had the opportunity to do it oh absolutely oh absolutely no no question in my mind that was so much fun and it's so much uh it takes a little bit of time uh you know i've thought about it too i was like you know i don't know if i'm any good but it was sure a lot of fun and 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 if that opportunity came up again i would definitely do that yeah i just remember just being like 
the most like off the wall wacky kids movie I could think of. It's like yeah, like I understand like this might not be like the best thing in the world, but you know we're having so much fun. Let's let's just do it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's go back to the elf and just getting involved with with Christmas. Uh, is there like a Christmas movie that has Troy Thompson ever met a Christmas movie he didn't like? Is there is there a Christmas movie out there you're like you know I just don't feel it. Um, man. So, yeah, actually, The Nightmare Before uh, Christmas. I can't stand that movie. Is it, is it more of an aesthetic thing? Is it like a Tim Burton aesthetic? Yes. Or? Yeah, that's exactly it. I, the music's actually okay. Um, I don't know why he's so he's such an affinity for creepy stuff, and and I, that's his that's his deal. So some people really like it, and and it and if you actually you know you get on Amazon Music, and I'll do around you know in December I'll probably throw Amazon Music on, on while I'm driving or whatnot, and I'll like throw some Christmas music on Amazon, you know, and and you know uh, Alexa will do that, and the next thing you know some. Stupid song from you know the nightmare before Christmas comes on and I'm like hey what this is this is what is, this is not Christmas you know so that is the one I a close second of that you know Scrooge is is a good movie and it's Bill Murray yeah um, but it's very forgettable just because I you know there's so many retellings of uh, the, uh, the the Scrooge I guess that uh, that one. Uh, didn't do it for me either, but uh, I still would watch it. You know, I'll, if it's on, I'll still watch that one. Whereas I will not watch the Nightmare Before Christmas. You know, if you think about it, Scrooge got kind of a raw deal because like he gave Cratchit everything he asked for. He was just kind of a jerk about it. Yeah, he's just so he was re- so he's yeah. really just being punished for just being a jerk. Yeah, like on Christmas. Yeah, and forgiving debts is the sort of solution that only works like once. Because if you're like if you work in that line of work and you're just going to forgive all that debts, he's not going to be around for too much longer. Well, exactly. And yeah. it, he got know, a bit of a raw deal in that movie. Well, so that's good nineteenth century <laughs> beginning of of a uh, uh, concept of uh, you know, it's almost a political science concept, right? You know, it's like most people aren't bosses, but everybody has a boss. So you can yeah. easily identify with somebody like a Scrooge who is a boss, who may be just be holding it. Now, Scrooge is a little over the top, and he's holding your feet to the fire, and there's there's other things associated with it. But what if it's just a guy that's just doing his job, making sure that you're doing your job, and nobody likes that? And so now, all of a sudden, everybody identifies with, yeah, I'm like Bob Cratchit. Oh, I got to, you know, whatever. Yeah. And the reality is, is that is that maybe, you know, he's just trying to hold the business together. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to if you're gonna be like a, a what a, whatever kind of thing is, is like he's, Kind of a lone shark, but he's not. Like he's not going to send Cratchit out there to break your legs or whatever. Right. But no, that wouldn't work. If you, although like, maybe that's what happened. If you, with a tiny lo- tin. If, well, they had like debtors' prisons back there. Like they <laughs> just, they just, they just threw you in jail. Like if you can, yeah. if you can pay this stuff back, made sense. But, but if that's the kind of job that he has, like the whole idea of like just forgiving debts is the sort of a solution that only works like once. Because if he just keeps doing it, he's going to go out of business, and then what's he going to do? Yeah, I don't know. So the more I think about it, I'm like, you know. Scrooge, like, his real crime was he was just kind of a jerk. Yeah. Like, he didn't do anything wrong. He gave Cratchit everything he asked for. He was just a bit mean about it. Yeah, he was he was kind of pessimistic about things and, and skeptical and, and, yeah, and overtly it was, so. Yeah. So I, I kind of, in a weird way, feel like Scrooge was right. 
Like, which I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. But Well, I think, uh, you know, Scrooge had some good points, though, about Christmas. And I think that that's important for us all to remember. And, you know, the good thing about Elf, honestly, is that, you know, it doesn't spend a lot of time talking about what, uh, you know, what you're going to get for Christmas, at least not in tangible items. And I think that's what's important for people to remember about Christmas is that it's not a tangible item that you're getting to receive. And, in fact, one of the – I think one of the prettiest songs uh, in there is, is is something that Emily, uh, who is Walter Hobbs' wife, so Emily Hobbs, and then their, her son Michael sing, uh, and it's talking about what they want for Christmas. Of course, that's obviously not in the movie uh, because it wasn't a musical. But here's an opportunity for um, you know what would be Buddy the Elf's stepmom and his and his half brother singing this wonderful song about what they really want for Christmas. And really, all they want is spend time with their dad. Yeah, and I think that that is, and it's such a beautiful song. People got to hear it. And you go, you almost want to cry. And the people that we have playing those those uh, those roles, they do, want join you. Come plays Emily, and she's got a lovely voice, and she does just great, 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 great uh, work as as Emily. And then um, uh, Michael is. Oh my gosh, I'm so bad. His, <laughs> his last name. He's also a Thompson, but not related to me. I'm so bad with. I'm, terrible but he's got such a beautiful voice and and uh it's just awesome and it's all about you know the intangible things about christmas that we all really want all right so before we let you go settle this one debate for me okay is die hard a christmas movie hmm well i mean it, it, it starts takes, it takes place on christmas so it's technically a christmas movie yeah well i think should all, it count don't they all start aren't, aren't they all around christmas i know the second one definitely is i don't know if the sam jackson ones around christmas or not okay i think that was the third one i haven't seen that one i don't like for sure i don't think the fourth one was like the one where they got justin long and that's kind of where it went off the rails yeah but like most things with justin long do in my opinion yeah like uh like like accepted like when you think about it like they kind of predicted like predatory for-profit colleges like way before that became right? a thing like, <laughs> and, like, and, and, and like his whole speech at the end was like you know being accredited is stupid and that somehow gets them accredited yeah which when you think about it like yeah those kids are all screwed yeah, like, it, it, it is not a happy ending at all. No, but I, apparently there's like real division on this. Like, if Die Hard should be considered a Christmas movie, so I would put, uh, yeah, you know why? Here's what: the, what would you watch uh, when you're just hanging around the house on Christmas? And and obviously, I think people are going to watch Elf. They're going to watch Elf. They're probably going to see some sort of Christmas Carol, whether it's the Muppet version or something like that. Or the Rankin and Bass Rudolph thing. Uh, I never really spent much time watching like the. Oh, of course, that's on. You know, you got to yeah. you got to watch. It's that. on. It's a thing. Any or Charlie Brown, things, or... maybe Charlie Brown, Peanuts. Yeah, um, I think people are definitely. I'm going to obviously watch um, Christmas Vacation. That's a, that's to me uh, critical. Uh, that's every year uh, watching watching the yeah. Christmas Vacation movie. Um, but I tell you what. So would I pick it out and say, hmm, "Let's watch Die Hard" because uh, that's a Christmas movie? No. But if it was on, I would absolutely watch the first one. The yeah. first one. The first one is a Christmas. Movie. Like the first one is like the yeah. the heat of the debate because it takes place on Christmas. It does. So it's technically a Christmas movie. Yeah. But I feel like if you had to choose between that, I think people would look at you like, "Come on, Troy, read the room." Like the, this, this isn't a Christmas movie. No, and it depends obviously who your audience is too. If I'm hanging yeah. around with my ten year old, probably not going to watch Die Hard. You know. Yeah, like your wife would probably give you an earful. Like you watched what? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, this isn't going to end it's well. So for anybody. good, except for these six lines. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, my favorite Christmas movie growing up was like the Arnold Schwarzenegger jingle all the way. Okay. Movie. I know that one, yeah. yeah. Uh, which, by the way, R.I.P. Phil Hartman, he was in that. Uh, yeah. And it was on recently. And then I just started rewatching it, and I'm like, yeah, like I remembered why I was really into this movie when I was a kid. And it's like, it, 
kind of holds up, but not really. Like, yeah. if, if you think about it. And it's it has to be, like, one of my favorites uh, for I, reasons I don't fully understand. Maybe it's because it was I just watched it all the time when I was a kid. Yeah, probably, yeah. I Like, the premise of the movie is just kind of insane. Like... Just to get that toy. Yeah, like, uh, Sinbad, like, kind of blows up a radio station, like, in yeah. that movie. And uh, the parade, and it's... I wonder if they, like, actually made Turbo Man, like, for, for that. For like, that. If, if there's, like, an actual Turbo Man doll, like, could you buy one? Well, I don't know. That's something you'd have to Google that. I do like Christmas with the Cranks. That's the kind of one that's come out in the last... I was at... I oh, know, which was, like, the anti-Christmas movie. Like, yeah, you know. but it still ends up being a Christmas movie, and I really liked that movie. And, of course, that's written by John Grisham. So, yeah. uh, you know, it was kind of off his usual track, and I just thought that was a very good, uh, pretty good deal. Yeah, the one Christmas movie I met that I didn't like was Deck the Halls. God, that's a brutal watch. Yeah, and what uh, I so it's, I've it's seen where, that. It's the one where Danny DeVito tries to set up so many lights that you can see it from space. Okay, my god, that movie's a brutal watch. Yeah, like it is. I bet I watched it, it, it one it's, time. It's tough. I don't remember. It's it. tough. Yeah, like <laughs> uh, that's like the one Christmas movie I met where I'm like, yeah, this no, like this isn't working. But isn't it great that you can have? Uh, 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 Really, you can go all the way through December if you want, and you can watch Christmas movies all the way. And and it, and, and we probably could probably watch a different one every night. If you started on the first of December, you absolutely could go to Christmas and watch. And, and then there's movie. and then there's the Christmas ones on Netflix. There's there's one with uh, oh. the girl from Game of Thrones that just came out, which apparently the trailer spoilers like the trails the trailer spoils the movie. Yeah, well, you uh, can usually tell that's not a very good movie if you know what the outcome is going to be. I mean, Castaway did awesome, even though like the trailer shows Tom Hanks getting off the island. And nobody cared because it was Tom Hanks and he was great. Well, they but. assume, and yeah, he's not going to die. That'd be horrible. You know, Rocky was not Rocky. Uh, uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Rambo was supposed to die in the first. For, Rambo First Blood, according to the book, the guy who wrote the book, who was a Vietnam veteran. Yeah, Rambo dies, and and Sylvester Stallone's like nobody's gonna nobody's gonna want. The, Rambo to die. Like, n- nobody's gonna want that. Now here and, he is. And still he was going. right. He was right. Yeah. He was right, and, yeah. and it worked out. Yeah. Uh, but I think the moral of the story is like Christmas movies. Like when it comes to uh, December, super watchable. Like there is no outside of maybe like the couple we don't like. There is like no unanimously disliked Christmas movie. Like everybody's got their favorites. Yeah. Uh, of course, you got to stick with you know the It's a Wonderful Life and the Rankin and Bass stuff and mm-hmm. all that, but. It's 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 a, such a varied genre. Like you can just kind of just plop on anything, and you can just you can just have a good time. Like but just conversely, you're not going to watch it the other times of the year too. I mean, like I would, I love uh, Christmas Vacation, love it, and think it's hilarious. I've seen it, I don't know how many times. You're not going to watch it in June, though. exactly. I'd feel bad. I'd feel guilty. I'm like, I'm not really supposed to be watching this since it's a Christmas movie. You know, this is June. You know, yeah. so yeah. It's weird how you, at least I do, I feel that way. I'm like, I'm not going to watch. There's only one time a year you can watch that. It's somewhere between, you know, just after Thanksgiving to the New Year. Conversely, like, why are there no good Thanksgiving movies? Like, why is that not a thing? Well, the best Thanksgiving movie is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, with Steve Martin at the airport? Yeah. And it's like, how come, like, Thanksgiving movies isn't, like, its own genre? Like, it's right before Christmas. It's sandwiched in there. It has kind of the same themes if you think about it about family and togetherness mm-hmm. and it, it just never took off like how come that just didn't become a thing I, it, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday 
and I don't I don't know why. Uh, Is that, it because the Detroit Lions play every every oh, year? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, but I do love uh, I do love Thanksgiving. It's my number one, and then. Actually, Fourth of July is my second favorite, and then Christmas is third. Yeah, they don't make Fourth of July movies. They though. really don't. They really don't. I mean, they kind of do. Like Independence Day is. I mean, it's not a Fourth of July movie, but it's the name. Yeah, like j- just the name kind of brings like, the idea. And, and, uh, and Bill yeah. Pullman. Yeah. Uh, the second one, I, I didn't get around to seeing the second one, right. so I have no idea if it's any good. Yeah. Right, but I think that's a, a good place for us to wrap. Uh, Troy Thompson, uh, co-director of Elf. Before we let you go. Uh, how could – if someone wanted to go to the Brook Street show, uh, when are tickets available and how do you get them? Okay. I'm so glad you asked because tickets are available right now. And anything in the Bowman, if people aren't aware, is now assigned seating. So the best way to do it is to do it online, uh, which you can do by going to BrookStreetTheater.org. Um, uh, and if you go to uh, that website, you'll be able to find uh, tickets. Uh, tickets are $15. And they are, um, and it is a science scene, so you can pick where you get a sit. But it's six shows, so it'll be uh, December 13th, 14th, and 15th, and then the 20th, the 21st, and the 22nd, those two weekends of December. Coming up, it'll be at the Bowman uh, Performing Arts Center, and it will also have, um, uh, so the Friday and Saturday nights of each weekend, those are 7 o'clock shows, and then Sunday each weekend is a 2 o'clock show. So a little matinee in the, in the afternoon. So tickets are available now online at yes.org. Yep. Uh, if I wanted to physically purchase a ticket, is there like a box office you could go to? Yes. So on Saturdays, all the way up until the show starts, uh, you can go to the Brick Street office, which is uh, our building. Our 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 storefront is located on Clark Street, and the actual number of the building surpassed me. But we have a sign that says Brick Street Theater, so just stop in. And that's from nine to noon on Saturdays. So if you come in and you want to do it in person, you can do it there. Um, I'm not sure if the Chamber of Commerce is doing it now because it's assigned seating or not. I don't think they are. So I think you know my preference is online, and that's a, a easy way to do it. But uh, certainly Saturdays, uh, nine to noon. Yeah, so Street, a few weekends in December, Elf, the musical, live at the Bowman Theater in Forest City, which uh, you can buy your tickets online at brickstreettheater.org. Well, Troy, thank you for taking the time to sit down, discuss Christmas movies, your time in the Army, and uh, Elf, the musical. Uh, it's, it, should be, it should be a fun time because if it's like the movie that everybody loves, I think that it's going to be uh, a, a great time for everybody. It's going to be great. Thanks for having me, Evan. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for us. If you want to check out previous episodes and ones in the future, there's a few ways you can do that. I'm on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Go ahead, uh, give us a review, uh, leave, us, leave us a comment. And also, we are on a browser at anchor.fm slash Show. That's all one word. So for Troy Thompson, I'm Evan Eichen saying so long, and I'll see you next time.